3: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Sum 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club.
0: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Move the Sticks presented by New Era DJ and Bucky and uh, Buck. We've got... We've got quite a lot of ground to cover today. I'll let you tell the folks what's coming up. But, uh, man, it seems like there's one headline that stands above all the others.
4: I mean, obviously, we'll get to that big headline. But we're going to talk about takeaways from week three of the preseason. We're going to preview the NFC and AFC South. And then 32 burning questions, one per team, we're going to give our listeners all the answers.
0: Now, that's uh, secret questions, by the way. So that's... uh, uh, that's Hytham and Nabil behind the glass have come up with one question per team. So everybody always has questions this time of year. The key is Bucky and myself are going to provide some answers. So we don't know what's coming, but 32 questions are coming our way. We're going to have 32 answers for you. So that'll be a little bit fun uh, later on in the show. But Buck, man, I, where, where were you? Uh, where were you? I guess it was Saturday evening uh, when the news of the Andrew Luck situation and, and sudden retirement came down.
4: <clears throat> so I was actually hanging out with my son. My son was having his 16th birthday. So we were kind of just putting it together. you we were about to have some Had cake. Birthday. Yeah, I know. Kind of crazy. 16 years. Scary. Um, but he, um, we were doing it, and all of a sudden I, I see the thing come across the screen. Andrew Luck has informed the coast that he's retiring. And I was like, what? <laughs> where, where did this come from? <laughs> and then you you go you go to Twitter and you see Adam Schefter's report. You see some of the guys from NFL media reporting their stuff. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe he shut it down. And then the fact that he's doing it two weeks before the season, I'm like, this is definitely not ideal timing if you're the Indianapolis Colts. And then you just kind of go and, and you understood he was dealing with some injuries and all that other stuff. But like the postgame presser, when he's answering the questions and he's going through it and he's very emotional, you could just see that he was just beaten down from the rehab process, warning if he ever is going to be able to play like the way that he played when he first entered the league. And so, look, he had talked about that previous injury being kind of like a dark place for him and how he didn't want to revisit that. So I certainly understand it, but there's still something in me that still believes that after he's healed up and he feels better maybe in a year or so, that he's like, man, you know, I was really good at that football thing. I think I'm going to give it a spin. <laughs> so I just kind of wonder if he'll be able to walk away from it permanently because there's nothing else that he's going to find that kind of gives him the same exhilaration and excitement that football has always given him.
0: No, I'm with you in terms of, man, just the shock. I, you know, I don't know we'll get to that in a second. I, I don't know that we'll ever see him again, though. He just seems like the kind of guy that would just kind of disappear, and that'll be it. But, Buck, I was I was at the Charger game, uh, Chargers Seahawks, and was down on the field. Uh, usually during the pregame show, we get a little break, and so I'll go down the field, walk around the field, talk to some people, and then head back up. So um, I'm heading back up. I'm walking back into the little booth up there, and our producer go, hands me his phone and goes, you better sit down. And I'm like, what? So um, I don't know what's going on. So I look at his phone, and it's like, Andrew Luck retires. And it's a it was an Adam Schefter tweet, and I looked at it, and I'm am telling you, Buck, like, I had to look at it for like ten seconds to make sure that blue check mark was <laughs> <legit> and <laughs> yes. authentic. and I was like, oh no, yeah, yeah, that that's real, like whoa. And so you know that the whole the whole first half, my phone you're calling so calling the game, and my phone would not stop buzzing. Just people all around the league, you know, wanting to you know to text about this and figure out what the heck was going on. Um, and then we actually had Hunter Henry on. From the sideline in the third quarter, you know, these preseason games you get in the second half and these guys aren't playing, you'll do some in game interviews. And um, I asked Hunter, I said, Hey, how did you guys, you know, find out about this? Now, keep in mind, the Chargers open up with the Colts. That's their week one opponent. And uh, he said, Well, you know, a lot of the veterans that weren't playing had seen it on their phone. So as we were coming out, you know, for the start of the game, there was whispers and you heard people talking about it a little bit. And um, it's just crazy how that all happens in real time. Um, but, I, Buck, I, I really don't think we'll see him again. You know, he's um, he's a unique guy, and I don't think that uh, I don't think football is the be all end all for him. Um, I went back, you know, I was curious, so I went back and looked up my, my uh, background information on him when I had gone through Stanford, and um, you know, the uh, Buck, it's, it's it was off the charts. I mean, we, we kind of remember a little bit about him, but when you go back through and read everything, um, and this is uh, you know some of the stuff in my background on here. Uh, uh, everybody on campus raves about Andrew Luck. He's tough, dedicated, responsible. He does not accept praise. He goes out of his way to be one of the guys. He's humble. He fits in with everybody on the team. Uh, he called out the whole team team during the halftime of the USC game last year, said we aren't losing this bleeping game. He's got fire. Uh, he excels in everything he does, exactly what you want at the position. Um, I spoke to him at the Combine that year. Uh, He's represented by his uncle. I knew he was coming out before the season started. Very proud of what they accomplished at Stanford. Says all the right things. He's humble, down-to-earth, approachable for someone with as much hype as this guy's been given. Uh, He's a great guy, no issues. He's a no-brainer top overall pick. So I mean, those were some of the things that, that people were saying about him. But I go back through the work ethic on the bottom of our report. Off the charts as a worker, he's like a coach in the weight room and on the field. The strength coach says he's a 12 on a scale of 1 to 10 as a worker. He eats, drinks, football all day, every day. He ran the install meetings during two days, installing the offense. Uh, He instituted a penalty system for offsides during practice. He held the other players responsible, even more so than the coaches, always at the facility, never asked for special treatment. Each source had to be stopped when talking about this player. They go on and on and on and on. So it's not hype when we say, Buck, that this is one of the premier players that we ever got the chance to evaluate.
4: Oh, without question. He is definitely a premier player. And when you look at the career that he was able to put together, even though it was short, uh, you saw him play at a high level. You could reasonably make the argument that at some point in his career, you could see him being the best player at his position. The fact that he was able to carry the Colts not only into the playoffs, but get them to a championship game early in his career speaks volumes about his ability to be a franchise quarterback. And then when you hear his teammates um Kind of honor him as he's decided to walk away from the game. T.Y. Hilton talking about him as his best friend and how they were down uh, for one another and how uh, they came together in those things. And then just the way the coaches talk about the way that he would just be in there, be an, an all in guy. And for so much of The conversation when we talk about quarterbacks a lot of it is the physical stuff but Andrew Luck really embodies all of the other stuff that you want the guy to have you want him to have the awareness to be able to kind of check his ego to allow himself to kind of be one of the guys while also being the alpha leader that could get the guys going he does all of those things and from a personal standpoint we always talk about wanting um players and young people to have balance, to have other things in their lives beyond their, their said profession or their preferred sport. Andrew Luck has all of those things well-rounded, has been exposed to a bunch of different things, which will frustrate maybe some football-only people. But the fact that he's able to walk away on his own terms, to me, suggests that he is a well-rounded person who has cultivated some of those interests away from the game, and that is going to allow him to transition into those interests now that the game is all done for him.
0: I want to get to a couple of sound bites we had from Coach David Shaw there at Stanford, who knows Andrew Luck as well as anybody, and we'll get to those bites in just a second. But uh, Buck, I I want to just real quick. um, There's been a a conversation on social media. I'm sure you've seen it, and and um, it's just it's been out there that the Colts, you know, the failure to protect Andrew Luck, um, you know, that is what led to the beating he took early in his career. And that's why um, this this day came about, why he retired. He was so beat up. And basically, it was insinuated that they completely ignored the offensive line position. Um, And so when I went back and looked at this, I found it a little bit interesting. First of all, um, before Andrew Luck got on the scene, they had taken uh, Anthony Costanzo, I guess, the year before, who's still there as their left tackle. He's been a good player. But that offensive line, upon Andrew Luck's arrival, was not good. And I think you can fault, you can find some fault there with that draft. Maybe that first draft, um, they went Andrew Luck. Then they went back-to-back Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen, two tight ends. And then T.Y. Hilton after that, who is probably the best player they've picked uh, mm-hmm. outside of Andrew Luck over the last several years um, until you saw Quentin Nelson last year. But that first year, you can make a case, okay, they probably should have uh, drafted some more offensive linemen early on after you've picked Andrew Luck. Maybe you don't take those two tight ends. Maybe those are some offensive linemen. So I think that's a fair point there. But then you go to the next year. They took uh, Hugh Thornton, their guard out of Illinois, with their second pick, which was in the which was in the third round. And then their third pick, they took Collett Holmes from USC. So you took two linemen there with two of your top three picks. You go to the next year, their first overall pick in the first round, they took Jack Muhort, a tackle out of Ohio State. So, again, a, a high pick that they used there. Now, they, they did not go back to the position again in that draft. Um, and then you get to the 2015 draft, and there was uh, nothing there. They did not address the position. And then you come back in 16, and you took Ryan Kelly with the first overall pick, who, or with their first round pick, who has been uh, you know, arguably the best center in the NFL. But the moral of the story that I'm trying to get to here, the point. I don't think it's that they avoided addressing the offensive line position. I think it's they didn't pick the right players. Um, they didn't get the right offensive linemen. It's not that like they didn't select any offensive linemen. There's a, a list of guys I just gave you. They just unfortunately missed on too many of them.
4: Yeah, I think that's really what it comes down to, their inability to hit on the draft picks because they did commit capital to trying to fortify this team around Andrew Luck. Uh, When you go back to that first draft class, to finally get T.Y. Hilton and two of those pass catchers that they added to the lineup – Kobe Fleener, Dwayne Allen, both of those guys comes to give him the comfort of being able to throw down the middle of the field. Then they've tried to consistently try and up the ante when it comes to the running game. They hadn't been able to get it done. Um, Maybe they finally have it fixed. And so they attempted to really put him in a situation where he could grow and flourish. It's just unfortunate that the guys they picked didn't fit, didn't blossom into the players we thought they would be.
0: Yeah. So that look. That's again. We always talk from a team building standpoint. How do you want to do it when you get a good young quarterback? And there's a, a school of thought. Okay, you get a good young quarterback to get a great defense. It takes some of the pressure off him. No, I, I don't even care about winning games. If, if you want to have longevity and uh, and build it the right way. Build up one side of the ball first. And if you draft Mm -hmm. a quarterback early, you start with the offensive line. You start with the offense. You build that up. I don't care if you lose every game you know, 35 to 31. Organizationally, and your fans are going to see, okay, the quarterback's getting better. You're protecting him. You're allowing him to grow and develop. That's how you do it. And then eventually, you can add in those pieces on the defense. You can invest the capital on that side of the ball. Mm -hmm. uh, But you better start off getting that offensive line in good shape and, and letting your young quarterback grow.
4: So here's the thing about young quarterbacks and and you talk about letting them grow. Not only do you need to protect them off the edges, but you need to actually be stout up the middle because with the advent of so many interior defensive pass rushers, guys that can get up the field right in the face of the quarterback, you got to be able to protect them. So you got to run it at them, control the clock and pick and choose when um, you want to attack. Then I think with um, as you think about building up the squad and, and doing everything, you do have to make a decision. Okay, do I want to invest in the quarterback and all the things that he has available for him and then draft and develop on the defense side, which is what I think the Indianapolis Colts are doing, following the school of thought that several offensive heavy teams have done. If you do that, it just means that the pressure's on your scouting director, your GM to make sure they pick the right people. But I do believe you have to understand the team building model and you got to make every decision with that in mind, not based on what free agents are also available.
0: All right. I want to get to these bites here. Just one second. Well, I'll have one question for you, and then we'll get to these uh, sound bites. You, uh, you've you had, you've been affiliated with the NFL, Bucky, since what year? What was your draft year?
4: Draft year, 94.
0: So since 1994, you've been around this game for a very, very long time, Buck. That's uh, 20, what? 25. That, 23 years, 24 years? Uh, I'm not 25. very good at math. Uh, anyways, it's a lot of years. 25, 25 years around the NFL. Have you ever once in 25 years heard anybody say, "You know what? We've just got we've got too many quality offensive linemen. There's too many of
4: them. <laughs> never, 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 never. Yep. Take them. Can't have enough of them.
0: Can't have enough of them. That's that's exactly the point there. All right. Let's get to this uh, this uh, couple sound bites we have here from David Shaw from Stanford. Uh, the first one. Uh, let's run the one Hytham where he's talking about. Um, when he's recruiting Andrew Luck, because if you want to learn a little bit more about how mature he was, go back to when he was in high school. Here's David Shaw talking about recruiting Andrew Luck.
1: Andrew was great. He was like a 30 year old man when he was 17. <laughs> right. It wasn't difficult, <laughs> but it was great to hear other people. So we're recruiting the area and there was a his big rival talking to his rivals, high school, high school coach. And he says, OK, I got to tell you about this Andrew Luck guy. I was like, okay, gimme give, give me something, give me something. Yeah. He says, okay, here's what happens coach. Our team comes up with a dirty limerick for the other team's favorite player or their best player. Yeah. All right, so we're getting ready to play Andrew and I'm waiting and all week I don't hear it. So I ask, I grabbed my seniors and said, Okay, where's the lyric? And said, Coach, we, we don't want to come up with a lyric against this guy. They <laughs> <laughs> said, Why? He's not gonna hear it. He said, No, coach, we respect him too much. Wow. So in high school to wow. to have your 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 rivals feel that way, and of course Andrew wouldn't just demolish them. Yeah. And then that night the coach is down and he's at dinner and who walks in but Andrew and his family and they go across the restaurant and here's this high school senior. Walks across the restaurant, shakes the opposing coach's hand, and stands there and talks to him and his wife for like 15 minutes. Wow. I'm like, okay. Recruiting process we're is done. over. We're done here. It's over. Yeah. This is our guy.
0: Well, there you go, Buck. What do you think going back and listening to that?
1: Man, really easy
4: to fall in love with Andrew Luck based on that. Um, when you talk about a, a wanting to have the right quarterback as the face of the franchise, where Andrew Luck is that, you know what I'm saying, smart, in the classroom, on the field, productive, uh, has done it in a variety of different ways ways and then you just kind of hear about the leader and the intangible qualities that kind of come out he is everything that you want as a guy that is your field and better yet he's everything that you want in a football player so give me 22 andrew lux and we'll win a lot of games No doubt.
0: Uh, I'm I'm with you 100%. It gives you a little bit of an insight to him at a young age. Uh, Another question we asked David Shaw as we did all the other coaches we spoke with. And we're going to have an episode eventually where you're going to hear all these great stories about the greatest high school football player you've ever seen. Here's David Shaw's answer.
1: I can't say one. So there's a small group. We've had this conversation before. (laughs) I love this, though. So they're... uh, Andrew Luck watching him throw the ball and I and I I will tell you his his footwork was 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 good but his back foot would always come off the ground. That was always weird to me. Like, okay, I gotta see this live. Um, but the way he threw the ball, the way he managed the team, he looks like he looked like an NFL guy playing against high school kids.
0: There you go. Hey, Buck, I went back and, and looking at my report in my summary from college. And uh, I had one of the notes in here. Transfers his weight early in the throwing motion, almost exclusively up on the front leg when the ball comes out. He did have a very unique, a very unique motion in terms of how he transferred his weight so early. It looked different.
4: Yeah, it did look different. Um, weird. But it, but it was effective for him. It, it worked, and no one along the way kind of messed with him, and they just kind of let him be, and he kind of figured it out. But you would like to see a little more pace and velocity on some of those in-breaking throws.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing I had on there. I said he uh, uh, has good arm strength, but it isn't rare. Uh, but he can change ball speed. Uh, does a nice job of throwing a, a catchable ball, shallow crossers. Um he was uh anyways he was a, he was a really good player we'll, we can move on to to other topics a lot of the stuff we want to get to but I did think we needed to give a little time there to Andrew luck because one of the more unique retirements I think in in our football history uh, that we'll ever see I think this is a this is a this is a day and a time and, and a decision we could be talking about 15 years from now, 20 years from now, uh, the way people talk about the Barry Sanders decision.
4: Yeah, we very well could be talking about this for a long time because it kind of changes the landscape. Uh, before, we had penciled Indianapolis in, saying Diego they're win a division, that they are tough enough to be able to do it. And Andrew was going to have a, a an outstanding year. But now we come... There's uncertainty everywhere. You don't know how the Colts are going to play with Jacoby Brissett as their number one. I mean, there's some other teams within the division that have questions about. Um, This is why you just never know. You can't really get into prediction season because you just don't know how one domino falling down can affect the rest of the group.
0: No doubt. And one other uh, one other note from last week in the preseason, then we'll move on to these previews of the NFC and AFC South. But uh, Case Keenum being named the week one starter in Washington. Do you like that or or do you not like that?
4: Um, I don't necessarily like it, but I understand why they're doing it. They didn't believe that um, they get a, they, they could get it done with Dwayne Haskins early. I mean, we, it, we both agree, I mean, right?
0: Haskins should be starting. He well, should be starting. Like, on, put him on the, the field. Like, there, what are right?
4: we doing? Like, we've seen Case Keenum. He can't get the team into the end zone. There's no juice or rhythm behind it so like I don't know I don't know how long they can play this charade like where Case Keenum is going to be their franchise quarterback (laughs) but at some point come on you got to put Dwayne Haskins in the game
0: and talking to Dwayne Haskins during the draft process and people around him people that know him I think he's mentally and physically tough enough that he'll be able to handle some of the adversity that'll come his way, uh, which will happen for any of these young quarterbacks. And I think he's, he's ready to handle that. And I think when you've got a guy who the main knock is he hasn't played, I don't think the answer is having him sit. I'd like to see him get out there and play a little bit. And uh, let's see him uh, make, some, make some strides
4: and grow as the season progresses. You know, I think the thing for me is what I would like to do when you, you talk about, like, let him play. I want him to make his mistakes so we can figure out how to build a team around him. And the entire time I always yeah. felt like Jay Gruden and crew, they wanted to go with the veteran player, their jobs on the high seat. So I understand it. But for the interest in the franchise, man, you got to you got to get it ready so you can get them going. So when the offseason, you know exactly what you need. You get it early and then they can start rolling on it. I don't like this last minute stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to see.
0: Right, I'm with you on that. All right, let's get to some previews. Uh, uh, NFC South, AFC South uh, just kind of a storyline that we're looking at. I'll I'll take the NFC South, give you the AFC South and we'll kind of roll through this and and then we can say who we like in the division. Uh, Saints to me uh, Buck, this is a roster that's about as good as any in the NFL right now. They are in great shape up front on both sides. Uh, they've built this team well in the trenches. I-, I would say the key to them in terms of getting the ultimate prize, other than Drew Brees being able to maintain the, the pace that he's been on and, and still playing well um, later in his career, I would say the key is can they get that complimentary rusher uh, that you're looking for? Marcus Davenport would be the man mm-hmm. that a lot of eyes are going to be on. We yes. know what we're getting from Cam Jordan. Uh, can they get another complimentary pass rusher there? To me, that's the key to them. Uh, getting back to where they were which is uh, right on the edge of, of being in a super bowl
4: yeah look I mean, talk, talk about a team that is, is right there they just got to figure it out and figure out how to kind of move past and move beyond the adversity that they suffered a season ago brand new year focused on the outlook make sure you get to the postseason or the stretch of the season healthy if they do those things the wins are care of themselves this is a loaded 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 squad
0: I'm with you on that. Atlanta Falcons team coming off a seven and nine year disappointing year. Uh, skill position, talent outstanding. I think the defense is going to be really good um, with, uh, with all these guys coming back healthy, led by Keanu O'Neal and Deion Jones. There's a lot of speed on that unit. I think they're going to be fine there. Young offensive line. That is the that is the issue to me, and uh, we've seen it early on in the preseason. Caleb McGarry, unfortunately, uh, had to miss some time. Their first round pick, Ty Sambrello, is is not great, and uh, Chris Lindstrom. Their uh, uh, their other first round pick struggled a little bit. So they've got to get some of these guys up to speed and get them playing at a high level because uh, Matt Ryan, if given the opportunity of a clean pocket, is going to tear apart the defenses in this league with the receiver, the receiving weapons they possess. But uh, he can't do it from his back, Buck.
4: He can't do it from his back. And so what I like about Dirk Cutter coming back is they're able to put him back in a familiar offense that he shouldn't have any issue Um, When it comes to finding and identifying uh, his playmakers, they have to be able to do it a little differently. I think they got to get back to the run. You talk about that offensive line. When the Atlanta Falcons were able to go to Super Bowls because their running game and the stable backs kind of leaned into you, and then you had to deal with Julio and his uh, teammates on the outside at wide receiver, Mohamed Sanu, and now you talk about Kevin Ridley. I think the Falcons have to play the right way, meaning they need to run the ball, shorten the game so the defense will be in a position to make some plays later.
0: I'm with you. Uh get to the Carolina Panthers. Another team went seven and nine last year. Um, one of my favorite groups, new addition. Uh, I'm gonna go with new additions, throw an S on the end of that is the key to this team. Gerald McCoy uh, coming over inside the division from Tampa and then Brian Burns, their first round pick. Uh, can they give him some pass rush? I know Burns has been effective uh, with the famous effective. Bucky Brooks Burns sacks, the uh Very effective. the uh, I had had to kind of just and kinda just hang around and then and it comes to him. He comes but to he him. He gets it
4: done. He gets it done. I will say this in watching him and watched him um, two preseason games. Like he has outstanding burst, first step quickness. He can make guys kinda lose their way when he comes off the edge. And he has been a much better run stopper than I envisioned. His ability to play the run has really been terrific. It's kind of changed the dynamics of the way that they uh, the way the teams will have to defend it because he's he's terrific.
0: All right, we get to the Tampa Bay Bucks coming off of a five and eleven season. Uh, can they run the ball? I think that'll be big. Take some of that uh, uh, that pressure off of Jameis Winston. But I don't know how you say anything other than the offensive line uh, when you've
4: watched Ooh, them in they preseason, were bad.
0: especially the other night. Buck. Ooh, they're
4: bad. The other night against Cleveland, Not great. Tough time.
0: It is not a good group. Not a good group, so that's going to be a, a challenge. When you've got a, a head coach and a play caller and Bruce Arians who wants to get vertical, you better be able to protect, or you better be keeping dudes in, uh, because that's where uh, that's where you get a little bit nervous.
4: Yeah, you, you do get nervous because you can't expose them. You got to make sure that the ball comes out, and so anything in your mind, you have to think protection first. Get the big play passings out second. But this is a, a, a team where you, you have to be able to establish your identity, recreate. Um, who you are and they got to get back to running the ball and run the ball effectively because then that opens up everything that they want to do passing game wise protection is critical um, and then it's about the defense the defense finding a way to make enough plays to give them a chance
0: all right who wins this division I'm going to go New Orleans but I'm telling you what the more I watch the preseason which is always a bad idea to let this influence you but uh, just looking at the roster construction I think the Panthers might be there with them. I'm going to say the Saints end up holding them off, but I think the Panthers have a chance to surprise some people, potentially win this division.
4: You Look, I, 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 I agree with you. I think the Saints are the class of the division, but I do believe the Panthers have certainly made up ground. The only thing that I worry about when it comes to the Panthers is can they be balanced enough, meaning can they hand the ball off to Chris McCaffrey against eight- and nine-man fronts, and he – uh, find a way to be successful. Can they find a way to use them in the passing game and dump it out to them on swing passes where he can make moves and get the perimeter and create some big plays? Have to find ways, new, unique ways, to get them to the rock in open field. But with that said, I still think this is the Saints to lose. I'm going to say the Saints to continue to win.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, let's get over to the AFC South where we've got a, a plethora of storylines to get through here.
4: You know, a plethora of storylines. I'm going to start with the Houston Texans. How did they help number four? How did they help Deshaun Watson? This offseason was supposed to be about helping him, protecting him, uh, allowing him to really come out and attack more. He's not able to do that. Uh, Having had the wide receivers um, that you would normally uh, – I mean, you do have the wide receivers that you like with their, with the Texans, but you just don't have the O-line play. And it continues to struggle in the preseason and then – You go out, you lose Lamar Miller. I know they got Duke Johnson, but they don't have a number one. I need to figure out who is going to be the lead runner for the Houston Texans.
0: You want to see uh, how how smart I am, Buck? Let me tell you how smart I am. Right now, I'm going to say, Hytham, insert trade. So when we're done recording this and then the trade happens, right now we just use Hytham's voice. And he can just tell the listeners what happened with the trade. Because you know (laughs) as soon as we finish this, we're both going to go our separate ways. And And is going to get traded. They might be adding an offensive tackle. And so now we just put that. That's on Hytham. Hytham, you just have to drop that in.
5: I got you. I got you. Just drop it. Breaking news from the newsroom. That's funny. Yes.
0: Yes. That's it. So insert here. Uh, that's (laughs) that's uh, That's my charge. Look, can they protect? If they can protect... Deshaun Watson is going to have a big year. And when you look inside the division now, Buck, to me the gap between Deshaun Watson and everybody else at the quarterback position is significant.
4: Oh, for sure. It's, it's definitely significant. And it, and it plays out. And it kind of plays into uh, the storyline, the next storyline, that I had when it came to the NFL's Colts with Jacoby Brissett. I like Jacoby Brissett. I think he's flashed at times throughout his career. I like the leadership ability. I like the way that he's able to kind of own and stay in his role when he's the number two, but he's always available if he has to go in. The difference is this offense has been designed with number 12 in mind, and not only in mind this year, but for a number of years. Guys, they signed, so they're kind of – I'm kind of curious to see how much of Jacoby Brissett can do the Andrew Luck thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no. look, there's a lot of love for him. I mean, inside the building, I know you've got to uh, put it out there that you're confident in your guy. You don't want the season to be over before it starts, but I'm looking forward to watching them week one to see what this offense looks like uh, with Brissett at the helm. All right, how about the Titans?
4: Look, it's all about the quarterback position and which quarterback is the best one for the team. I know Marcus Mariota is a $20 million guy. He's got to get a fifth-year option picked up, but Ryan Tannehill has outplayed him in the offseason, so what do we do with this like what what's real what's fake and those things i just don't know if in good um conscious i can lean on marcus Mariota. i need to know from the titans who's the quarterback Mariota or ryan tannehill
0: well i mean this is a team that's been stuck i guess stuck is the word three years nine and seven can they get over that hump and take that next step i know the news coming out of indianapolis should be uh Um, should be well-received in Tennessee because uh, you would think that maybe gets you the one extra win that they needed last year. Um, We'll see what happens there with the Tennessee Titans. I'm actually... I'm actually a little bit bullish on them. I think if they get the quarterback thing squared away, I think in the trenches, once Taylor Lewan comes back off suspension, they're pretty good on both sides um, and a real, real physical football team. And uh, it's hard to finish under 500 when you're a physical team, Buck. You're always going to be right there. Now you just need to find a way to win a couple more.
4: Yeah, physical football always gives you an opportunity. And the way they're able to kind of grind it and mash it out plays well. The, the, the problem is with them in this division, there are other defenses and teams that like to play that way. So you don't really have the advantage you normally would have in most instances, but it's one thing that can be worked around. For me, when I look at the defenses and this comes into play, because I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's kind of like the biggest question mark for their team. And the question mark that I have is, is Josh Allen good enough to push them over the top? Um, They have pass rushes previously, but is he a special kind of player that can push them over the top? If he is, Great. But right now I gotta see that Jags defense. I gotta see what they're really going to do with Josh Allen.
0: The uh which Josh Allen has a better year. Maybe that's one of our burning questions. Ooh, you
4: serious. know, Josh Allen up in uh, Buffalo looks how good. How about that?
0: Don't steal uh, my no, thunder. It could be a big year for the Josh Allens. Uh-oh. Uh oh. that might that might have been a little uh a little insight into what's coming. All right, who wins this division, Buck?
4: <sighs> Such a tough battle. You know what I'm saying? I don't think the Colts can win it. I am going to go out on a limb. And I'm gonna say you're
0: gonna say the Jags. You're not gonna say the Jags. I am gonna say the Jags.
4: I'm gonna say the Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: Are you really? Yeah. There you go. On
4: paper, they're the better team. Let's go to the Jags.
0: All right. That's needed. All to right. Me. You're going with the Jags. I'm gonna stick. It, it, I'm gonna stick with the Texans.
4: Way whoa. Way to be a risk taker right and, there, and, buddy. And way, no, way to I'm go. Not, I'm, look, I just way, way to go.
0: I haven't gone out there. JJ Watt's gonna get his 16 sacks. Um, we'll see what they fetch out of this clowny trade that Hytham's probably already told our audience about um, that we don't know about because it wasn't done by the time we started this thing. Uh, but they're gonna be better. They're gonna be better up front. And uh, and Deshaun Watson, I just think, look, it went in doubt. I'm I'm always gonna go with the best quarterback. He's the he's the best one. So I'll go with Watson. All right, this is the time that we've been waiting for.
5: 32 burning
0: questions. How much time is on the clock do we have to answer these
5: questions? We'll do about a minute per question. That way we, you know, 32 minutes, 32 oh, we, teams. And we can
0: even go faster. It, yeah, we I can will hit the
5: air horn there. once we hit a minute, so you know to wrap it, you know, if you actually are still okay. going.
0: Oh, uh, We won't even, we're going to, me and Bucky, Bucky, we can do these all in
5: under a minute. Oh, uh, yeah, we can do it. You ready to start? Do it. All right, we'll start in the <laughs> NFC North. Uh, what kind of leap can we expect from Mitchell Trubisky in year three? A leap? Uh, maybe like a skip. Go I ahead. Know, I don't know.
4: I don't know how much. I don't know how much <laughs> he can. Um, how much he can improve. I believe Mitchell Biscay is fine. yet yeah, Pro Bowl because it's voted on, and the Bears are like a, a popular franchise. Matt Nagy has to do everything to really set him up, um, and I think he continue had to, continues to have some creativity. But at some point, Mitchell's game has to kind of show that. Right now, I don't have a lot of confidence because I haven't seen it. I'm gonna say wait a little bit. Wait a little bit on him.
0: I'm going to say he does take a leap, and it's because of David Montgomery. He's not going to have to throw it as much, and then he's going to lead to some more big plays off that run game. So he does take a leap.
4: Mm, big plays off the run game.
5: All right, moving on to the Lions. What are your expectations for on Johnson this season?
0: I think it's going to be a big year for on Johnson, Buck. Are they going to run it? They go out and invest in the best blocking tight end to come into the NFL in quite some time. Kerryon Johnson showed what he could do last year. I think he takes his game up a notch. I don't know they're going to win a ton of games because – um, I think there's some other holes on this roster, but I do think they run it well.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they certainly can can run it well. They they need to get after it. I, I mean, I like some of the flashes that uh, we've seen from Johnson, but more consistency, more ownership, more domination at the point of attack.
5: All right, moving to the Packers. Who will benefit most in Matt LaFleur's new offense?
4: Who who benefit the most? I am going to say Aaron Jones is going to be the biggest beneficiary. And the reason why is because – When you look at the way this offense works, it's a stretch bootleg system. They're going to have some shots. And even though we think about the Packers being all number 12, taking all the shots and distributing the ball, I think the running game has to be critical. When you go back and you look at the guys who have come down from that Shanahan tree, meaning Mike Shanahan, uh, Lafleur, and McVay, and Kyle Shanahan, and and the like, all of those guys hang their head on the running game. I think it continues.
0: I'm going to say it's Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator, because they get to see this run game every week, and it's the same run game they're going to see in Minnesota. Uh, so I, I think that uh, there's some carryover. A lot of teams running this Shanahan scheme, and so I think it actually helps the defense a little bit to see this every day.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I understand it. It does help them. More familiarity with certainly <laughs> allowing them to play faster.
5: Get the oh, news? We, just got,
0: huh? we just got the buzzer. Wow. Get- Right, yeah, let's move.
5: Moving to the Vikes. What kind of impact will new Vikings assistant head coach Gary Kubiak have on their offense?
4: Oh, the influence. I love his influence. I love what we're seeing from Kirk. Cousins. Uh, this is going to be a stretch bootleg team, meaning they're going to run outside zone. Tailback is heading for the outside leg of the tackle. And then they're always going to have some kind of complementary action on the back end, whether it's rollout, whether it's bootleg. They control the backside DM with what they do with the quarterback. I like this system. I think it's the perfect system for Cousins. I look for him to dazzle uh, when it comes to his ability to put up big numbers.
0: Well, he hasn't always dazzled this preseason. Mark, yeah, but, but, the, but this, this is scheme early. Is this he this game is with perfect. It's going to be great. Yeah, but you can't. Dazzle. It's a scheme he knows and he's comfortable with. He's
4: comfortable. Come yeah. on. Look, Dalvin Dazzle. Cook.
0: That offense is going to run through Dalvin Cook. He's going to have a huge year.
4: I mean, he will. And, and as a result, so we're cousins. How about that?
5: There you go. All right. Moving to the NFC East and Bucky's favorite team, the Cowboys. Will Dak Prescott be able to silence doubters and prove that he's a top 10 quarterback? Can he carry the Cowboys without Zeke?
4: Go ahead, Buck. Yeah, he can carry he can carry him without Zeke. Like, look, look, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to see <laughs> Dak play without it. Like, I think I think here's here's the thing. They need to have to run a game. Zeke is very important and vital to what they do, but he's vital and important to what they do when they get closer to the playoff run. So if Zeke wants to mess around and like just give away a bunch of money um, because he doesn't want to show up and play under his contract. Cool. I think Dak Prescott and the way this offense is constructed, he still can be successful. We'll see how it plays out.
0: Have you ever uh, got the groceries out of the car and you try and get all of them in one time? So you put like <laughs> 10 bags, five in each hand, and you get like halfway halfway to the kitchen table. You got to set them down for a second and then pick them <laughs> back up. Like that's that's how we're going to go with Dak here. He's going to be able to carry them a little bit, but I don't think he gets it all with the kitchen counter. Zeke's mm. got to get back. I mean, he does
4: need to get back. I mean, obviously, everyone is better when you get all your weapons around you. But yeah. those are heavy
0: groceries, by the way. I don't, don't don't at me. Don't a, a, <laughs> plastic that paper.
4: Plastic that paper because <laughs> if it's heavy, the bag is gonna pop. The handle is gonna pop off.
5: Moving on to the G man oh, Yeah. What we got, Hytham? Moving on to the Giants. How long will the Giants be able to keep Daniel Jones on the bench?
4: Mm. I don't know if you can keep a Hall of Fame. The, the Giants bench, will
5: keep Daniel Jones.
0: Oh, listen to you. I, I'm going to say they keep Daniel Jones on the bench for 10 weeks. Um, and it's not going to necessarily be because Eli has played poorly. I think Eli is going to be all right. I, I think it's going to be because they're not winning enough games. And then they just figure out, hey, let's get a look at this kid.
4: Wow. Just going to dismiss one goal for the other. Um, I think at some point, because he's been so solid in the preseason, I think maybe their plans have changed. I think he does have to get some snaps in the preseason. So you just get a feel for who he is and what he is. Man, but they have to. If I'm man, if I'm David Gettleman, so I'm if it's zero four. Over, I'm taking the victory lap. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm uh, look. I think they Throw did, him out there.
0: I think they once did Eli nine. comes off the field, he doesn't go back on though.
4: Yeah, I think they did week nine when they put Eli in. I think
5: you just that's should, what I'm saying. Yeah, I think you just kind of transition right there.
4: It's good. I'm with that.
5: All right, uh, there we go. Moving to the Eagles, which new offseason addition on offense through free agency or the draft is the biggest key to the Eagles success? We're talking Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, DJx
4: Go ahead, Buck. Oh, you want me to say, OK, I am going to say DJx is going to be the pivotal piece. And the reason why is he's the fuel stretcher. His ability to make big plays lifts the blanket off the other playmakers. Nelson Aguilar, Elshon Jeffrey, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside and the running game. DJx is gives them something that they still were lacking before, and that is that home run hitter. Look for him to have a big impact, even though I don't think his numbers will be at that customary mark that they typically come in at.
0: That's a great question, my favorite one. I'm going to go Miles Sanders. I think he's got a chance. I think he is the most talented running back they have, and I think he's got a chance with this offensive line and passing game um, to, to really provide some big plays out of the backfield.
5: Mm.
4: Miles Sanders.
5: Moving to the Redskins, we talked earlier about Dwayne Haskins, how you guys both think you should be starting. So we're to, let's talk this. Who is the Redskins' most dangerous player on offense?
4: Oh, do they have one?
5: I don't know. I mean, uh, whoever's playing running back. <laughs> the, only,
4: the only guy <laughs> I would guess sight unseen. Hopefully it's Darius like, Geis. It would have to be Darius guys because I would say sight unseen because, I mean,
5: Something what about Bucky's right? boy Trey Quinn? We got to see him a little bit last week. Bit. That was it.
4: I mean, I like Trey Quinn, but he's not like a key contributor. Like he's a little, he's a little piece. Like he's he's like the ketchup packet when you go to McDonald's and you get the quarter pounder. <laughs> I mean, not he's, not, yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not the whole meal. He's just like he a little fill side piece. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just he's just a little something. So you need like uh, three Darius Trey Geis. Quins. Yeah, I think Darius Geis is probably the the, the biggest thing because. They really don't have a lot of
0: Their offensive firepower.
5: Josh Josh Dodson, Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn.
0: Mm. Yeah, with the tight end, you've got Jordan yeah. Reed, you got Vernon Davis. But uh, I'm going to go Geis. I'll go Geis on that one. Yeah, I like Geis. Adrian think, Peterson still, though. I mean, look, either one of them.
4: Yeah, I don't know if Adrian has enough juice, but we'll see. Geis is coming off an ACL injury. Regardless, both of those guys have to be big factors in the running game.
5: All right, moving to the NFC South for the Falcons. Sark is gone. What do you expect from the Falcons offense with Matty Ice reuniting with Dirk Cutter? Uh, I mean, I think it'd be
4: very familiar like it was the first time. Dirk Cutter is a guy who helped Matty Ice play at in uh, a Pro Bowl MVP level. So I, I would think it would be the same. The biggest thing for the Falcons is they have to be able to run the ball consistently. Because then, when Matty Ice throws the fake, the play fake out, the defense comes up. They can throw it over the head. I need to see more production, better performance from Devontae Freeman. He has to be an important part of every game plan. I
0: think we'll see it right from the beginning of the season in terms of his comfort level. He's going to be Matt Ryan's going to be very comfortable with the scheme. Now, the protection—that's another topic that scares me.
4: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that scaring you, especially the injuries and the stuff that they've had in the preseason. Not good. Oof.
5: Uh, moving on to the Panthers. Will Cam Newton be able to return to his MVP form from
4: 2015?
5: Mm. Uh, yeah. Not the MVP
0: form, but I'll say Pro Bowl form. How about that? Yeah, I th- he's got a chance to be a pro bowler in this system with it getting the ball out quickly. And then uh, we see what we saw when he was healthy previously. I think he does. Uh, he gets himself. He'll be a pro bowler.
4: Yeah, I think he can be a pro bowler. But uh, here's what I worry about with Cam. Like if you take away Cam's ability to be the dual threat, uh, is he ever going to be good enough to beat you from the pocket? The longer he hangs in his crib, the more I'm like, uh, I don't know.
5: Let's keep it rolling. Uh, move, moving to the Saints. Will the Saints be able to repeat last year's 13 and three record? Mm. Ooh, you got it, Buck. Have they gotten better or worse?
4: I mean I, I think you can get better but your record can be worse based on the matchups. I think they come in a notch below. I think maybe twelve and four would be probably a better record. Really eleven and five is what I'm thinking because it is just so hard to climb climb the mountaintop. top. I don't know if they had the resiliency and the resolve built up to make these things happen.
0: I think they are. I think they can match that. I think they'll they can get thirteen wins. I think Carolina's gonna be better, uh Atlanta will be a little bit better, Tampa T B. D. But I still think they're the class of this division, and I think they're going to have a talent advantage just about every week they line up and play. Mm.
5: I'm going to give you a two for one here with the Bucks. What kind of impact will new coach Bruce Arians have on the team, and who should be the starting running back? Mm. Can uh, Can Bruce play left tackle?
0: Buck? <laughs> or right tackle? <laughs> Why say? not? More of a concern. Why not?
4: Jeez, it's tough. Yeah. Tough.
0: Man. I mean, I, bad. look. I mean that's that's going to be difficult. I, I will say this: Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, the tight ends that they possess—they've got weapons. Again, I feel like we're beating a drum here, but offensive line just not good. But I, I think, look, Bruce Arians, his 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 swagger, his confidence—it's going to help the quarterback. So I'll say that does have an impact there with Jameis.
4: You know, I think with with Arians, I think the big thing is the relationship. Arians' relationship with Winston uh, from the time he was a teenager, being able to really be able to offer kind of the right advice, to get him to think about decision-making, to become a better player under duress. When Jameis Winston takes care of the ball, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' offense is explosive in the league. The issue has been, can he consistently hold on to it? He was a little better last year. I would expect him to be...
5: um, really really cautious and careful uh, with Bruce Arians in his ear every day alright moving to the NFC West and the Cardinals what What kind of season can we expect from Kyler Murray Mm. what kind of season does he have to have for us to say it's a success hmm
0: we're not going to be able to say that after this year. I think it's going to be something where you got to go into the next offseason and see what else they can put around them. Again, offensive line—that's a concern. I think you're going to see a bunch of yards, Buck. I don't know, you know, in terms bunch of, of know, calories drives. That's my concern with this team. Yeah, I think the, there might be some empty calories. It's a good way to put it.
4: You know, I, here's my thing. in writing about it, this is a pretty boy offense. They don't want to be um, physical. Uh, they lean a lot on finesse, when that typically doesn't win over the long period, over the long haul in the National Football League. I not that see division. What, I want to see what David Johnson does. I think David Johnson is the key because he has to be able to run the football and catch the ball out the backfield. If they can get him going, then it offsets some of the pressure on um, Callum Murray. And I think this offense ends up having uh, the ability to score points. So a lot of it is not Callum Murray. It's more on David Johnson. Let's see what he looks like when he returns.
0: Better question would have been, if you gave Kyler Murray a month to play corner, would he be their best corner on the <laughs> roster to start the season mm-hmm. due to injury and suspension?
4: He might be.
5: Uh, I think
0: mo- he would be. I think he would be. Yeah.
5: Moving on to the Rams. How will Sean McVay change up the offense as teams have started to catch up?
0: Have they? They just had a bad game uh, the Teams the Super Bowl. Haven't, Teams haven't. Bill Belichick caught I, up. That's I can't it. Play in I think the that got overreacted to. Uh, well, they don't have to. Well, they play one or two games in the cold one every year. One or two year. games, you get no, home, they'll be home field trying.
4: advantage You don't have to worry about it. Um, I think he has to be a little more willing to switch a little bit in terms of, hey, let's flip out. Let's do a little more uh, 12 personnel. Let's uh, bring in two tight ends. Let's not always be one back, one tight end, three receivers. Just give a little diversity. But I do understand what they're doing. I just would like to see a little more.
5: All right, 49ers. Is it fair to say this is a make-or-break year for Jimmy G?
0: Hey, yeah, Yes. We don't need the full minute there. Yes, it is a make-or-break year.
5: Right, expectations for Jimmy G, then, as he comes back from ACL injury.
0: I was just saving us some time as we were going over to the AFC. That was a nice, easy, concise answer.
4: Yeah, very, very easy. Very concise. Um, I think here, here's the deal with Jimmy G. I think the way they've responded coming off that bad, that disappointing performance was terrific. I think Kyle Shanahan will continue to set him up for layups with the way that he kind of draws up things. But he has to take his game up another notch. We're talking about a make or break year, significant money on the line they can get out from this deal. Um, I expect him to play well, though.
0: I think he's going to play really well. Although a week ago, Hytham, I said, he's fine. Stop. And now I'm like, he's he's fine. No, no, I think he's fine. Yeah, 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 he's fine. <laughs>
5: uh Seahawks how will the Seahawks pass rush group shape out after trading Frank Clark
0: this is again another time where you can have Hytham insert whatever trade took place after we've recorded this before it gets aired I, I, w- I think they're going to do something Buck I think
5: they'll try and add somebody so they're getting clowny.
0: I don't know about clowny, but I, I think that they uh they need to do something so I, I would think it's it's uh it's not a finished group right now just because of injury they've got to get somebody to help
4: You're always looking to upgrade, and I think that's the one thing. Uh, Anytime you have an opportunity to add a talent to pass rush because you have to knock the quarterback down, it's probably the most important thing that you do on defense because knocking the quarterback down eventually leads to turnovers. Upgrade the pass rush. Find a way to continue to be able to put consistent pressure on the quarterback.
5: All right, flipping over to the AFC. We'll start with the Ravens. What sort of jump should we expect in year two for Lamar? I, you Look, Buck, I think he's a little bit better as a passer. I don't think he'll be a lot
0: better. And I think some people expecting him to curtail the running, that ain't happening. I think he's going to see him run as much, if not more, uh, which means you're going to see a bunch of numbers on the ground for Lamar Jackson. I think the, the passing numbers will, will uptick slightly, but it won't be a huge improvement there.
4: Yeah, I think I, th- I, th- I think it has to be um... – a situation where Lamar Jackson is the focal point of the running game. I think his explosiveness, his ability to kind of do the hidden ball trick kind of sets everybody up. Look, we talked about 200 being the magic number in terms of rushing attempts. You never see a quarterback hit that, but I think Lamar Jackson hits that this year.
5: Moving on to the Steelers, will Juju live up to expectations this season? Go ahead, Buck. You know, I think so. I think I think here's the
4: thing, like it is tough for um it 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 is tough For Juju to move into the number one role, but I like what I've been seeing from them in the preseason. He hasn't had a lot of numbers, but the way that they're doing scheme wise, he should be able to do it. Crossing routes underneath things, control passes that is in his wheelhouse. I think Juju is going to be five. I think they're going to be a number one uh, receiver by committee, but I think he's going to have tremendous success.
0: I think, he, look, his numbers were outstanding as a number two. So I think uh, the numbers are going to be there. I don't think you're going to see a huge spike in numbers from him. Um, but I, I don't think you're going to see him putting up the kind of consistent numbers Antonio Brown was putting up. But he's going to have a really good year.
5: Cleveland Browns. Are expectations too high for the Browns?
0: Yes. Uh, I I just think there's there's steps to this process. And I'll just go back and give you a little history lesson. I was in, in Cleveland I believe it was 2007, Bucky, we went 10-6. and six. We had a quarterback, Derek Anderson, coming off a of Pro Bowl season. Braylon Edwards caught 17 touchdowns. Kellen Winslow, the best young tight end in the NFL. Went out and got Sean Rogers and Corey Williams on the defensive line, and we were going to go to the Super Bowl. We had some injuries. We had some failures. We went 4-12, and 12, and everybody got fired. So I'm just saying, just be patient here. There's a lot of talent. It's just going to take a little while for it all to come together. So I think that the hype is a little bit much.
4: You know, like, here's what I would say. Like, the hype is a a lot in terms of Baker Mayfield and the offense. But the Cleveland Browns are going to be in the mix because of their defense. I absolutely believe they can go all the way. It just depends on what that offense does to complement this defense because this defense is going to be lights out. I expect them to have a top-five defense. Is that a championship offensive line? No, but you play good defense and you throw the ball up around the yard. No, it's not a championship offensive line. You can't have championship-caliber players
5: everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You try. All right, the Bengals. Will the Bengals surprise everyone in Treadwater in this division? Mm. No one's talking about them.
0: No, I think the Bengals I think the Bengals are a four or five win team. I, I just don't think there's enough juice. Um I don't think they're good enough up front. Um it, just more playmakers are needed on this roster, especially defensively guys that can really make plays. I don't see many.
4: No, they don't have enough. They don't have enough juice. I li- I like some of their individual pieces. I like Uh, Joe Mixon. I like A.J. Green when he's healthy and available. Not in love with the quarterback, and I just don't know if Zach Taylor is going to have enough creativity to kind of mask all their issues. I think it's going to be a tough year for the Bengals this year.
5: Jumping to the AFC East, the Patriots. What position group will be the most important in helping the Pats get back to the Super Bowl this season? (laughs) Quarterback. (laughs) Outside of quarterback. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one.
0: Look, I, I I think the offensive line, if the offensive line plays at the level we saw last year, I mean, that's just going to be a tough team to beat.
4: Yeah, they're going to be. I think they're going to be a tough team to beat because they're going to change their style. They're going to be a physical team. Like, you've seen them in the preseason. They have been a 21-personnel team, uh, two backs, one tight end, coming downhill behind the fullback. They're going to play kind of rough-and-tumble football, and I don't know how many teams are going to be able to stand up and weather it over the course of a 60-minute game.
5: All right, Dolphins. Who is the better option to start at QB right now, Josh Rosen or Ryan Fitzpatrick?
0: Oh, uh, I think we would both say Rosen,
5: right? Yeah, the Buck?
4: chosen the chosen one. I think Rosen has to be that because I don't know what you – to me, Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like a fish out of water in this system when they have him under center asking him to do play-action passes and the like. He is a guy that I needs to be in the shotgun. Dolphins, yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't mean to do that. That wasn't deliberate. That was just natural that was creativity. But yeah. I just think I just think I just think Josh Rosen is probably the one that you need to do because if Josh Rosen can't play, then it allows you to say, okay, we got to focus on Everson getting a guy in the draft.
0: Yeah, to me, I think you gotta evaluate Josh Rosen. That's what this year is all about. It's a success for the Dolphins if they just know what they have in Rosen.
5: Who has the all right, moving to the Bills, you, you got me. Who will have the better seat? which Josh Allen will have the better season?
0: Was that it? Yes. Mm. uh I'm gonna say Josh Allen, the mm. quarterback, has the better year. Buck. I'm gonna go Josh Allen, the quarterback. I'm kind of with that. A, a bunch of bit. rushing yards. He's he's I've been, built to I've handle been, that. He's I have been have seeing a
4: bunch. how they've been playing with him. Some of the quick screens, some of the quick stuff that they're doing on offense. Empty formation. coles Beasley is gonna have a big year. I think Cole Beasley may have. 100 catches when it comes down to it, because he's the guy that Josh Allen is targeting wow. a lot. Uh, look, he may only average eight yards a catch, but 100 he may hit 100 of them.
5: Will Josh Allen <laughs> have more rushing yards than whoever starts at running back for them?
4: Uh, man, you know, it's, it's yes. tough because I think... Yes, because you know, they're going be a committee. Yeah, and I don't think... Shady, I wonder if Shady McCoy is even going to be around.
5: Uh, moving to the Jets. Are you worried Le'Veon Bell is going to be rusty?
4: Russ, running
5: back, take him. Uh,
0: no, take him He's two games. Be fine, two games. He'll shake it off. He'd be ready to go. All right, no, that's easy. He's gonna have a big year.
5: Moving to the AFC South, can the Colts still win the division with Jacoby Brissett under center?
0: It's tougher. I never say never, but I
5: don't think so. It's tougher. I, I don't
0: see it happening. I,
4: see, this this is is why they probably could have made and maybe should have made the move for Levy and Bell because now they need the running back. Um, they look. I like Marlon Mack, but they need they need a dude. Because now they're going to have to play a little different, and they need to be able to grind it out. I just don't know if Marlon Mack can give them enough of that. If he can give them twelve to 1,300 yards to offset some of the pressure on Jacob Brissett.
0: Yeah. Look, he's a good player, but there's a drop off.
4: Just a little bit.
5: Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Moving to the Texans. Just a little bit. Will DeAndre Hopkins post 1,700 receiving yards this season? He had 1,572 last year.
4: 1,700?
0: Wow. No, no, that's a big, that's a big number. Big number. I, that's look, a big he's gonna number. have a great year, but I don't. That's, that's too big of a number. And that's almost healthy. like it's like yeah, in college. Man, God. I think
4: that's they spread around numbers. a little more. Yeah, I think I think it's a little more balanced. Uh, they got too many good players on this side of the ball for him to get everything. I think he has a big year. Seventeen hundred is a little rich for me.
5: All right, Titans. How short is the leash Marcus Mariota's on with the addition of Tannehill? Oof. See, this is an
4: interesting one because I, at, originally when they signed him, I didn't think the leash was on him, but then. He was so bad against the Pittsburgh Steelers that I just worry about, I kind of worry about it. I don't know. Hmm.
0: I don't think that, uh, look, I think the leash is short enough that if you're going to walk a dog on a leash like this, you have to be squatting like a catcher because that, <laughs> that, that, that's not a long leash. You can just walk upright. I think it's a very short leash. Uh, I, I don't think they'll wait very long to make a change there if he doesn't get off to a hot start.
4: I think he has to play well coming out the gate especially with Ryan Tannehill kind of being there. And, look, he always looks better uh, when he's playing against those backups or whatever, but, man, Marcus Mariota, it's kind of scary that you're not seeing a jump in development from him.
5: Moving to the Jags, what will Jacksonville's offense look like when Nick Foles and new offensive coordinator John Filippo reuniting? This is your division winner here, Buck. Go ahead, Buck. You you picked the Jags to win the
0: Super Bowl here. You might as well take this I mean, off. I didn't pick them to win
4: the Super Bowl, but I do believe they're going to be better. I think here's the th- here's the trick. It depends on how forceful Doug Marone is with John DiFilippo. If he tells them, hey, man, run the ball and stick to it because this is who we are, they'll be fine. But if he kind of very deviates and goes down his own path, they could be in trouble. I think the Jags' defense is lights out, and they have to play offense to complement that defense. That means a lot of Leonard Fournette, a lot of running, I think somehow he gets the message because he doesn't want to get canned in the middle of the year again.
0: To me, it's going to be interesting to see who the, the number two receiving option ends up being. D.D. Westbrook's going to have a good year. He fits in beautifully. They need either D.J. Chark, you know, Marquise Lee, Chris Conley. One of those guys got to step up and be a nice number two.
5: Moving to the AFC West, our final division, the Chiefs. Do you think Patrick Mahomes will throw 50 touchdowns again?
0: Mm. Wow. Mm. 50 is a big number, Buck. Uh, But you know what? I'll say he can just because the weapons they have. And when you factor in some of the shovels and and little flips that they uh, that count as touchdown passes, um, I think it's achievable. As crazy as that sounds, back to back 50 touchdown seasons,
4: back to back 50s, back to back
0: I I'm going to go Mark, on 11, the limit. three save. yard line and you shovel it forward. I mean, they get he's going to get 10 of those.
4: Well, he's going to get that because they don't have a legitimate running back. Like they don't have a big time running back that you really worry about. So, yes, he goes 50 again. Back to back. Five. All
5: right. Broncos. Will Joe Flacco guide this team back into the playoffs?
0: Not the playoffs, but I think they're an eight and eight team. I think they're maybe even a nine win team. Eight, nine win team. Just because the defense is so good. The offensive line scares me.
4: Uh, the offensive line is a little scary, but I like this offensive system for Joe Flacco. Um, I'm not saying they get into the playoffs because they're two teams that are better than them in their own division. So I don't know where they make up the ground. Uh, I think the Charges and the Chiefs go before the Broncos.
5: Raiders. Who has more pressure on them this season? John Gruden, Derek Carr, or AB? Mm,
0: all of the above, right? Oh, Derek Carr for me. John Gruden ain't going anywhere. That that kind of money, he he he's gonna he'll be with that team going into Vegas. Antonio Brown, he's got something to prove. But to me, Derek Carr is the one who has the most to prove.
4: Yeah, Derek Carr has the most approved because I think, I thought they were going to get uh, out from up under this contract last offseason. I think he has to perform well now. He has no excuses. AB's there. They've upgraded other weapons around him. It's time for Derek Carr to play like the guy we saw a couple years ago.
5: Our last team, the Chargers. Outside of Phillip Rivers, who will be the most important player in helping the team win the AFC West?
4: Ooh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Ooh, Gordon,
5: nice. <laughs>
4: they need Melvin Gordon to come back. Like I like, Austin. On. I like Austin Eckler and I like Jackson, but I think at some point you have to have someone that uh, puts a little fear in the defense. And I'm not saying that Melvin Gordon is a tier one running back, but I do believe the fact that he can do a little bit of everything. He can run, he can catch it up the backfield. He can score touchdowns. He is something that you, he's someone that you have to at least talk about in the meeting room during the scouting report. I don't know if those other guys create the same kind of concern and worry for defense coordinators.
0: I'm going to give you a, a random name here. It's Trent Scott, um, the left tackle in his second year as undrafted player at a Grambling who is having to hold down the fort for Russell Okun until he's back healthy. Uh, so, can he hold up or do they have to constantly put a tight end next to him to help him out? He's going to be key to see if this Chargers offense keeps humming. Chargers win! <laughs> nice. A little muddy drop there.
5: That's it, my friends. I
0: love it. That was fun. Hytham, well done. You and Nabil back there putting those questions together. That was nice. Thank you. Nabil was a huge help. Nicely done. Uh, anything else you want to add here, Buck? What are you working on before we get out of here?
4: Nothing, man. I just finished doing all these preseason grades, all these rookies. I'm so glad that the preseason is almost coming to a conclusion so I don't have to do these grades. Not my favorite thing to do. It's hard to watch all these games, pick out one player, and study. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot for grades. You know,
0: That's uh, a lot to take in.
4: Yeah, it's a lot slide so no nah, so i'm uh, i've finished working on that i am working on the notebook trying to come up with some good topics for that but you know what i'm really excited for college football coming up this weekend i'm excited about that that is the focus
0: oh yeah we're going to have we're going to have an episode coming up here in a couple of days where we will jump in uh, to what we're looking forward to week one of the college football season, react a little bit to what we saw uh, from the two games we had last week. I want to thank everybody for for downloading the Move the Sticks podcast, and uh, appreciate you guys leaving us a little rating and review um, on Apple Podcasts. That's been a huge help, continue to uh uh, support us there. We do appreciate it. You can check out all our videos, nfl.com slash mtsvideo, uh, our new channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash podcasts. Uh, lots of goodies on there for you as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening to Move the Sticks, presented by New Era.
2: Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts.
3: Visit livenation.com/concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. 41, 30 seconds to Mars. Oh, and 2 Door Cinema Club.
0: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best
5: interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.